Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Abel from Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you with MJ. Welcome to another Coaches Panel podcast as we discuss who I believe are the most relevant players in the salary cap formats of Supercoach Dream Team and AFL Fantasy, all combined into one big universal list. Thanks so much for being on the journey over the past, well, what, six weeks nearly now as we've daily articles at coachespanel.tv, daily podcasts chatting about these players, and so many members of the fantasy community and of the Coaches Panel getting involved to talk about our number 12 player, which is Hawthorne's James Sicily. I've got Ben Gogos on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, mate. Very excited to speak about Sicily. Can you believe how close we are to single digits in this top 50? Getting real close to the top 10. And while you may feel like you start to know, I reckon he's in the top 10, I reckon he's in the top 10, I reckon there may be some in the order you do not predict. And there's probably one out-of-the-box curveball. Because, you know, because why not? So let's talk, let's talk about Sicily. He's one of the elite defenders going around from a fantasy football perspective. Still just 24 years old and a defender yet again for us. His best score last year came against Essendon in all formats of the game. It was 135 against Essendon and a 145 in Supercoach. A seasonal average last year, higher than many actually kind of realize when you're like, oh, what did James Sicily average last year in Supercoach? 105, my friend. That is absolutely elite. And a 95.5 in AFL Fantasy. He is going to set you back a little bit, but as we'll discuss, I still think there's more value in it than you probably care to think about. A $570,400 he'll set you back in Supercoach and just shy of 700000 in AFL Fantasy while $683,600 in AFL Dream Team. Then when we talk about James Sicily and we immediately look at that 17 games played in the column, we start to go, oh, no, it's another one of those defenders that we can't trust that's inconsistent. Um, but from the 17 games he did play, and that was a combination of a couple of suspensions and a wrist injury that ruled out his year, we saw plenty of positive moments from James Sicily. He averaged 17 disposals, seven marks, five score involvements, five rebound 50s, and he did it all at 81% disposal efficiency. He was pretty good, wasn't he? He's one of those players that I know for some, they've made some judgments based on some of the things he's been quite demonstrative on field. Some have made their character assassinations on what he's like as a as a person or as a competitor on the football field. But from a fantasy football perspective, when he's on the field, he scores, he scores well, and he barely burns you with a bad score. That's it, 100%. I mean, this this is a guy that was selected in the third round, the last pick of the third round in the 2013 AFL draft. And really, since drafted, he just became an integral part of the Hawthorne lineup once he debuted in 2015. We, we obviously know that he started his career as a forward and he mm. was kicking lots of goals. And he was actually he was a successful forward. It was a surprise when he was swung back. But... He was swung back halfway through the 2017 season and real, realistically, outside of one game, which we'll touch on a bit later on in the podcast, he's he's just been essential down there. He's been fantastic for the Hawthorne ball movement and 
of course, taking the intercept mark, which is, you know, what, one of the most important facets of today's game, especially, you know, I think roughly 60% of scores occur from turnover these mm. days. So he's just integral to what Hawthorne does. And look, you know, um, he's so he's so prolific, but he's, he's also very intelligent with where he's positioning himself. And look, at the end of the day, he does have the, the odd brain fart and he's not the, the most loved footballer in the AFL community, especially from a uh, fan point of view. But I, I think if you can look past that, you've potentially got one of the best defenders across the competitions coming into the 2019 season. And he's a guy that's only played 57 games of yeah. home and away footy. So he's just got, he's got a fair bit of upside. Like, he's still a young player. Yeah, there, there's plenty of upside, not just in his own natural development. You're right. He's one of those phenomenal players at being able to read the ball in play, one of those rare skills, and that's what makes his you know, intercept marking and the intercept possession such an incredible facet of his game and then the ability to pinpoint a pass not just over a a short distance but 50 meter plus and and again I want to talk about that later but he's just one of those phenomenal footballers that has got great footy IQ and in supercoach equally in AFL fantasy but even more so in supercoach he gets rewarded for that last year in supercoach from his 17 games eight scores of 100 or more and in that year of 2018, just three scores under 90. While in AFL Fantasy from his 17 games, five of those were tons and five further scores were over 90. So 10 of his 17 games, 90 plus. Only three games. So just 14 games last year were 90 plus in AFL Fantasy, in Supercoach rather. So what we're seeing is a guy kind of delivering on what he did in the back end of 2017. Um, Because what he did over those final 10 weeks, you mentioned that role readjustment. Over the final 10 weeks of 2017, he averaged 24 possessions, 9 marks, 2.2 contested marks, and got kind of this incredible um, perspective amongst the footy community that he's going to be one of those defensive stars for the next decade because of not just his incredible ball use, but the ability to recognize what's happening in the game 5, 10, 20 seconds ahead of the rest of the pack. Yep, that's it. I mean, and even on that point, just about the 90 scores, like uh, I think in one of those games um, when he scored below 90, he was pretty sore. That was against the the Cats in round two. He, He missed the following week and, um, so you know it, it's it's a really he's been super consistent for us. I mean that's a that's one of the things that you look um, historically look at defenders and we we think back even a long time ago to the likes of Heath Shaw who could produce uh, amazing numbers and he could have down weeks and so the the question always remains you know do you pick him up at a cheaper price or hope to pick him up at a cheaper price but. Mm. Looking at Sicily's scoring, it's it's very very difficult to see him being available at a cheaper price, um, and that's so. Th- this is one of the things that we're obviously calculating in the lead up to round one right now is who do we think is going to present value during the season, and who do we think should be started from the get go. And looking at Sicily, it's, it's very difficult to see a situation where he falls um, far from his evaluation. Now, he has struggled with a tag previously but having said that realistically that's only occurred once in the last year and a half and that was 
of course, against Carlton in round 23 when the formerly, um, well, the, the delisted now player, Jed Lamb, took him to the cleaners. I think he only he had scores of 20s across the competition yeah. in that one game. Um, but other than that, and, and look, that was an expectation for me heading into season 2018 was the fact that, well, we saw that happen in the last round of the season. Surely Sisley is going to get a lot of attention. But whether it was attention, I'm sure he did receive attention in some games. Sure. But he also just managed to, to beat it. And one of, the, one of the characteristics of him, of course, is the fact that he is so good at reading the ball yeah. in flight. And that's a very, very difficult to, um, to defend against. And to essentially try and take him out, you're almost risking, you know, you're, you're almost risking, risking structure to a degree. Yeah, because he's not a small, is he? Out. He's not one of those guys that you can lock down on that defensive run and carry out that we do see some teams kind of uh, deploy that defensive forward. It's really hard to do that to a guy at his size, at his height, at his disposal efficiency and his ability to read the play. That's it. And and on top of that, one one point I just thought of was, you know, if you, you think back to the generic uh, midfield tags, you mm. might have a bit of grappling in the contest because, you know, taggers can get away with a little bit. But when the, the ball is, you know, in flight and Sisley appears to be a marking target, it's very obvious for the, the umpires to see if he's been, you know, held in any way, shape or form. So it's much more difficult to tag a player like that. Um, and that's not the type of player that he's sure necessarily is. He's more yeah. of that rebounding one. So possibly you, you think, well, so, someone of his stylistic tendencies possibly is an easier uh, target for opposition coaches. So, look, I, I think that Sicily is a, a really exciting option. And uh, there's one other statistic that we'll get onto in the second, but I, I think he's got a, a fair bit of room for improvement because he, he simply didn't play on too much when he kicked in last year. Well, last year, you're right. He was one of the leading players from the Hawthorne Football Club at distributing the ball back into the field of play from a kick-in. The only player that did that more than him was Ryan Burton. The two positives about that is one, Burton's now at the Port Adelaide Football Club, and secondly, the reason Burton kind of overtook him from a percentage, because Sicily took around about 30%, a little bit under in terms of uh, kick-ins. The reason he kind of got bumped over the top of was because he missed that six-week chunk of games at the end of the year due to that wrist injury. And so that's why we saw Ryan Burton, who is also a good distributor of the ball by foot, um, take that position. With the new kick-in rules, champion data have said you no longer have to kick it to yourself for an opportunity to play on. Anytime you handball the ball, whether it be in the square or outside, it still counts as a disposal, uh, similar with a kick-in, any part, once you're fully outside of that goal square, then it counts to the possession tally. And I know sometimes we've talked about with some players that there's actually a negative to that. It, it's an opportunity in Supercoach anyway, where if they don't distribute the ball well and efficiently, that's going to have an impact on their scoring negatively. But for someone like James Sicily, who is an elite distributor of the ball, um, not just over short periods uh, of distance, but over long periods of distance, that opportunity for the man on the mark to have to go 10 metres further back, I can really see consistently someone like James Sicily trying to get 5, 10, 15 metres as far as he possibly can playing on from the goal square, then using that booming 50, 55-meter kick of his, pinpointing a target 
and really getting the team, you know, 70 out of goal and making a huge impact for the Hawthorne Football Club. Spot on, mate. I mean, look, I'm obviously very biased. I'm a mad hawk, as many know, but I do struggle to think of anyone in the competition. That There probably are some names that are similar to his capacity, but I think the rule changes suit him as a distributor of the footy as well as essentially anyone in the competition. Like, yeah. uh, I think that this has just really played into the hands of the Hawthorne Footy Club to a large degree because you think you think a lot of players, okay, if they can kick long, they're not necessarily accurate. Probably an, another guy that's really good with his long kicking is Shannon Hearn. He's yep. probably on a, that equal sort of uh, you know skill level, but. Yeah, I just think with Sicily, like any time that it's not going to be a, a quick uh, kick in, I think they're going to get the hands, the ball in the hands of Sicily, and that just means a lot of points. Like he only he only played on um, one in every five times yeah. last season, so here's the possibility, you know, this time around to really he could really go well over fifty percent. I think fifty percent would be absolute minimum, but yeah. I can see that being more realistic of say, three out of four times he probably plays on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if he does that, then we're looking at, you know, you know, close to double digits in both Dream Team and most likely in Supercoach, given how efficient he is. So um, you couple that in with the natural growth um, that, he ha- that he definitely will have. He's still such a young player. So um, hopefully he gets a bit of continuity. He, he did only get one injury last year and... Mm. You know, suspensions, whilst they are annoying as all hell, um, they are also not an injury. So he should be able to come back in if he does get suspended again and not have too many problems. So, look, I think there's a lot of upside for him. And he's certainly presenting as a more unique option than what I've seen anyway, which is more of that uh, cookie-cutter situation at the moment, which is both whether it be Jake Lloyd or Rory Laird or both. Yeah. I certainly haven't seen too many James Sisley's, and I, I think he probably has to be in the same conversation. Well, he, I certainly think he does. You could, um, and Rory Laird is a phenomenal footballer, as is Jake Lloyd, but you could build the case that certainly with Laird, who's, who's got a player that we've included in the 50 most relevant, like a Brody Smith, is going to be imp- impacting his potential opportunity to get any kick-in um, sort of points bump, but might be fair to say. Lloyd certainly looks like if he maintains that role inside defensive 50, which by all reports he will, uh, he should continue on. Whereas Sicily's going at 105 already in Supercoach. He's already going at 95 in AFL Fantasy. And you're right, one in every four times he gets to bring the ball back in, he's choosing to play on. So whether or not he gets much more natural development um, there's the opportunity here for a new point-scoring avenue for James Sicily. And, uh, yeah, Whitfield's a popular D3. Simpson, Witherden. And while there are still plenty of coaches that have James Sicily, I'm not seeing it anywhere near frequently as what I believe he should be in. And furthermore, on the Hawthorne game style and, and these new rules, I agree. I think they absolutely help James Sicily almost more than any other defender because Hawthorne's game style, while n- not the powerhouse they were a handful of years ago, Still, a key fundamental part of the Hawthorne Football Club's mantra is about having guys that are high-quality users of the ball by foot. And I think as the AFL look to open up the game to try to get more speed into the game, more opportunities for goal, I think an intercept player and a high-quality ball user, well, that only bodes well for James Sicily, in my opinion. That's it. Um, 
And I mean, while while we're at it, we will just chat, highlight the um, the new six 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 rule and how this could potentially work out well for Sicily. So. Um, I think what's likely to happen from this, I'm not necessarily of the belief that it's going to result in a heap more scoring. Mm. Um, but what I what I think it will do is it will allow an ease of clearance. Yes. Um, so more centre clearance. And that bodes really well for someone like Sicily, who is such a good reader of the ball um, in the air and, you know, is a, an aerial beast, really. So you think... Possibly, okay, there might be the opportunity that, say, two more times or three more times in a match, the ball will be kicked out of the, the centre square and Sicily will have a genuine chance to take a contested mark. Yeah. Um, that bodes really well, especially for his super coach scoring, yeah. where he, he does so well. And we, we know that you know he just takes marks galore. I mean, I'm looking back to some of his... Um, some of his games and you know he took 14 marks against Essendon in round seven yeah, which it's is insane. just a it's an insane number and yeah so I, I think um you know you've got you've got that situation where the rules he's not only getting advantaged I think hugely advantaged by the kick-in rule but potentially that 666 666 especially in Supercoach is going to be very very useful to a guy with his skill set yeah look I, I only see especially an upside uh, in Supercoach, sorry, only upside. Because you're right, he kind of avoided the tag last year. Um, it, for what it's worth, the team that did choose to tag him, Carlton, uh, if they were to employ the same strategy, albeit they can't do it with Lamb now, no longer on an AFL list, um, that's round six is his first matchup. But you look at those early games, uh, round one against the Crows, they've never really shown that they're going to use their tolls in, in a defensive uh, aspect, similar with the Bulldogs in round two, North Melbourne, St Kilda and Geelong are the first five oppositions uh, that the Hawks come up against. None of them have really shown any desire to use their tolls with a defensive mindset. So I, I'm not too fussed or, or worried about that. Honestly, for me, mate, in Supercoach, he, he's one of the first pick defenders for me. I, I, I struggle to see where he doesn't not just maintain his 105 average, but gain on that and probably put himself, I know it feels a bit crazy to say it, almost as a captaincy option in Supercoach. Depending on the matchup, depending on the round where he's positioned, I know there's some ripping options in midfield. I think in Supercoach, he's going to have some games. He could be used as a vice-captaincy loophole. I don't disagree. I mean, if, if we're talking about, say, 10 points, which is potentially, you know, an extra contested mark, a couple of extra kicks, that would get you the 10 points, maybe even more in Supercoach. Mm. If he's averaging 115, he's a dead set captaincy option, especially in a year where, you know, Tom Mitchell's not going to be around, um, you know, not going to be around at all. So we're going to be looking at different options as that captaincy vehicle. And he's a guy that, you know, on his day, he's just produced huge, huge super coach scores. And you tend to think that he's, he's the guy, especially in the back line, that can take that next step. I think possibly more so, especially in super coach than yeah. some of the other options we've got. Yeah, I think so. Look, if, if there was ever a format you're probably not going to start in, it may be an AFL dream team, an AFL fantasy, and more just because historically he hasn't had those big 120-plus scores like he has in Supercoach. I think he's only had two scores over 120 in his last 25, 27 games. But again, that's prior to the introduction of these new scoring opportunities and avenues for James Sisley. So I still think he's a very, very good option for you in fantasy and dream team. And if someone said, I'm starting him, it would be like, I get it. Awesome pick. Um, but I think if there's one format you can't pass on him, I find it very difficult to build a case for James Sicily to do anything but grow his super coach numbers.
That too, man. It, he'll um, be a very interesting draft option. Where where are you thinking you'll pick him in the draft? Because I'll tell you what, it, I know generally speaking, uh, Ultimate Footy or AFL Dream Team, uh, AFL Fantasy, that's obviously Dream Team scoring. But if he was in a super coach based draft, he would be going, he'd probably be going first round. Well, I think you could build a case for that. And you are seeing a lot of popular people, um, popular options in mock drafts at the moment. I'm still choosing Laird and Lloyd as the first two defenders off the board in every single format. Uh, I would not be disappointed if I had, you know, in, in my second round selection, depending on where I'm at, I'd feel confident if I've got a kind of a pick in that middle chunk, if I could land myself at pick five or six, something like a, a Crips or a Kelly, and then on the wraparound be able to go and pick up Sicily at D1, I would be thrilled with that as a starting position. I think I think he's a top 25 selection in a super coach draft. Uh, he may slide around or so in AFL Fantasy Dream Team Ultimate Footy, but what we are seeing is a common thread in the mock drafts that are happening at the moment. Um, is that defenders are going more early than regular. So your Lloyd, your Laird, uh, your Simpsons, uh, your Sicilies, your Withertons, um, these guys are all going really, really early. You could throw Whitfield into the mix of that as well. So uh, I think you are going to have to use one of your first handful of selections if you want to get James Sicily in any format of the game. Yeah, I mean, even Dream Team-based formats, he has to... Look, he won't be on the board after the first three rounds, no. I wouldn't think. Um, and a reason for that, which I'm, I'm sure everyone's aware, but the, the reality of the situation now is that after that sort of that first group of guys that could average around 90 or so, the drop-off is pretty significant. Yeah. We very, very quickly, um, once you're in a draft by about round seven or eight, you're really struggling to get even a guy that you've got absolute belief will go over 80 or 85. Mm. Um, so you're getting that, that gap that's probably been more uh, prominent, say, in the rucks department, where we, we normally have one or two rucks that had like a 20-point gap on their, on their um, you know, opposition. But that's becoming a little bit more of a, a possibility to occur in, in Dream Team this year. So I think jumping on a guy like Sicily, yes, he hasn't been able to play as many games as we would have hoped for. Um, but we also have a little bit of reason, like whether that be suspension, which is something which hopefully he should be able to eradicate from this game, but also shouldn't affect his scoring. Yeah. Or the injury he had last year, which wasn't a, a reoccurring injury. It wasn't a hamstring or a calf or anything like that. So, um, you know, there there is a possibility that he can really um, be someone you rely upon. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think he's a fantastic pick. And in an existing keeper league, you just don't move a guy that you know is a defender that's going you know, high 90s, hundreds, and, and he's only just starting to really find his feet. So he's going nowhere. And, and again, in a startup keeper league, similar to a seasonal draft, he goes inside. In a super coach perspective, I think he goes inside those top couple of rounds and similar enough in, in AFL fantasy as well. Man, I appreciate your thoughts today as we've talked about James Sicily. No worries, mate. Always happy to chat. If you want to go and check out the article, it is online now at coachespanel.tv as well as all of the other players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant. You can go back and check the podcast too via Spotify and iTunes. And if you've been loving the 50 most relevant podcasts, we'd encourage you to go and leave a five-star rating and review. It helps others discover what you already know in the 50 most relevant for 2019. The number 11 players revealed tomorrow. And as you're going to see, we're starting to talk about some of the biggest names in fantasy footy for 2019.